Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Blue Water Highway is an alternative indie rock band from the Texas Gulf Coast. The band is releasing its third album, Paper Airplanes, following the critically acclaimed releases of Things We Carry and Heartbreak City. The founders, Zach Kibido and Greg Essington, met in high school where they became accomplished musicians. Zach, who went on to study to become an opera singer, recruited fellow opera singer Catherine Clark to fill out the three-part harmonies. They added Kyle James Smith on bass, and the ensemble has worked together since 2013. For the new album, Paper Airplanes, they've enlisted Nashville producer Kaysen Cooley to guide the album. Kaysen has produced Ingrid Michelson, American Authors, and Ben Rector. Together, they have created a unique sonic soundscape of acoustic and electric guitars, synthesizers, powerful lead vocals layered with elegant harmonies. Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke, and today I am so thrilled to have the entire band, Blue Water Highway, here with me, Zach Hibodeau, Catherine Clark, Greg Essington, and Kyle Smith. Welcome, band. Howdy, howdy. Hello. Hello. Hi, hi. So who was that? In what order? Uh, well, I'm Kyle. Uh, I'm Catherine. Zach. And Craig. So your band is named after a, a highway. Tell me where this origin of the name came from. So two of us, that's Zach, me speaking, and Greg, we grew up down in the Brazosport area of Texas. That's sort of an hour south of Houston, Texas, down on the Gulf Coast. And there's a highway that goes from Surfside to Galveston, Texas, and that's called Blue Water Highway. And that was kind of the big geographical feature just growing up in our area. So that was the name. Now, I've not driven this highway, but I've seen pictures of Galveston, and I don't recall the water being that blue, is it? That's <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. It's kind of a misnomer, I believe, but, you know, it's wishful thinking. There's about one time a year when it actually turns blue. Uh, it's like, in, maybe we missed it, maybe in January. I don't, yeah, normally it's pretty brown. <laughs> yeah, so this is like Texas marketing, right? There's like a, a joke, like this blue water highway next to the brown Gulf of Mexico. Is that? Yeah, we like to tell tall tales in Texas. It's, it's really part of our tradition. You know, everything's bigger. The water is bluer. Uh, but in this case... <laughs> Yeah, starting from brown, that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> so you have two critically acclaimed albums out, Things We Carry from 2015 and Heartbreak City from 2018. And we're here to talk about some of your newer stuff, Paper Airplanes, which I've had the pleasure of getting a pre-release listened to. And it really seems to me like an evolution and maybe a maturation. And, you know, I like to use that word too often because... Like all your work is great, but you're moving in a direction that's slightly different. Yeah, I'd say that's that's for sure. We've we'd like to mess around with a lot of different styles of music. I mean, hopefully it all comes out sounding like, you know, our own sound, but I think figuring out what we do as a band and what we're interested in, all the lessons we've learned, what we want to say has really come together in this album. It's really good about what we came up with. We feel like this is a great springboard. Yeah, there's like a, a thing that I think is worth noting is despite this record coming out when it is, you might think that a lot of these tunes are tunes created after those previous records. But what's interesting about our sound, you could say, a lot of these songs are actually as old or could be older than some of those tunes you're, you're you're mentioning so you know it, we do appreciate always if, if as we mature as a band those that that notice that but it's interesting we've kind of been sitting on a lot of these songs for a good while and we're just now finally bringing them out to 
the public. So I think your earlier albums were in some respects labeled modern Americana, but I felt like this album was really just classic American. And it wasn't to me as rooted in that Galveston, Texas origin, but really was like from America and like not necessarily a Southern place, I guess. I was going to say, you know, being from Texas, I feel like we always have that element in our music. And it's fortunate that there's a lot of different music that exists here in Texas. But our interests as a band lie in all kind of stuff. And so we kind of have to figure out how to bring that into a sound that works with all of us. And especially now that we've traveled so much around America, I think that we can we're bringing in more of those influences when we recorded this record. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Traveling certainly uh, gave us a overall American perspective. And that that's another thing we were sort of shooting for on this album. We wanted to give you the effect of like, after you were finished, like, uh, you know, watching just classic Americana film, like we were heavily influenced by American films, you know, Sandlot, Interstellar, even like Superman, just kind of like Heartland American movies, October Sky, that sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah, you can feel that in the album. So, Zach, you and Catherine trained in opera. Is that accurate? That is correct. We met at Texas State University in San Marcos, south of Austin, and we were opera singers. That was that was the career. I was kind of writing songs on the side. We had the same voice teacher, so that's how we met. No kidding. And um, I guess one was tenor and one was soprano. Is that? You called it. That's right. I'm getting better at my job here. Yeah. And you maintain those roles in the band. We do. We do. Yeah. Keep the tenor and the soprano. We try to get Catherine singing. There's some influences in the music, but I don't know if we've quite perfected it yet. It's kind of like a ongoing mission to try and figure out a way to put opera into our style of music. We try and sneak it in here and there. Like there's a track on our our new record that has some pretty strong classical music influences. So even if it's not specifically opera, we try and bring the classical influence in a little bit. So maybe you'll do the new Tommy, the rock opera for us one day. <laughs> That's right. As a career, we can we have something to look forward to. But let's talk about the title cut from the album, Paper Airplanes. That was like the first song we wrote. This is one of the older songs Kyle was talking about before. We'd always wanted to make this record, and we wrote this song first, and that sort of summed up kind of all the themes and tied all the rest of the songs together. And we always used that song even to write other songs, sort of based on the themes in that song. Here I go again tonight Floating back in time to steer my life Laying out looking at the sky Just like a child with wild eyes Shining like the moon on fire Searching in the night for a way I could fly a paper So I hadn't really thought about it till I gave an intense listen to the song, but, you know, paper airplanes are such a childhood memory thing of sort of hopes and dreams and visions. And what's this song about? Yeah. So this song's really about how to dream, how to treat dreams uh, as an adult. So 
just struggling with, especially, you know, as a musician and in myself, you know, musician with a, a family, supporting a family, you have dreams, but you also have to make sacrifices and you have to figure out kind of where your boundaries are, like how long to stick to the dream at the expense of your other responsibilities and how to dream realistically. And it's sort of like a spectrum, right? Like you're struggling with how to be responsible, but also not lose the wonder from childhood. And so that's, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the idea. And I actually, this was summed up really, really well with one of our favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, in one of his essays, where he talks about kind of the concept of like enchantment. And he says, you know, people go through a lot of stages in life, like you're enchanted as a child, and then you get kind of jaded, you know, a real kind of becoming like re-enchanted is kind of the goal, right? Like seeing all the normal things in life with the wonder you saw as a child, but with the maturity of an adult. You know, the song has so many cool sonic elements in it. It starts with this almost U2-like organ ethereal airy thing and then there's this rubbery bass line that comes in yeah buddy and this electronic sound that's really a signature sound of your band the combination of those things and then when you get to the break with the power chords it just like it has all of the gumbo of your band in one song <laughs> Nice use of the word gumbo. Yeah, I like I like that you call that out uh, all in one go because you know so many times the bands like us we sit in the you know we write a song and then we go to the studio and we put all these things in and we're getting just as excited about the song and putting every ounce of ourselves into this song and we're like is anyone gonna appreciate this to the level we would? so we really thank you for saying all that because that's yeah we love everything we put in that track especially when those power chords hit we were all ear to ear you know, after hearing it in the speakers. Yeah, I think the listeners are going to love it because I did. And then, you know, the way it finishes with this haunting wall of sonic sound. And it has this progression like you were describing from the first verse is that C.S. Lewis childhood enchantment. And then the second verse is the disenchantment verse. Yeah. Especially the line. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I'm just glad you caught that because that's exactly what we're trying to do it's like yeah we, get, we do what we have to do now you're kind of back in the nine to five cubicle you know hey be realistic here your dreams don't matter it, you know and that's yeah that's exactly that's exactly what we're going for thanks for catching that yeah the line i like is lately i don't put my faith anymore on airplanes that's right yeah yep and it actually kind of a mirror to reality in our own band we're sort of after our second record we hit something of a wall at least creatively it's funny, this is the first time this has ever happened to me, but I went back to those lyrics. And when I read that, I felt like uh, the guy from Office Space a little bit. I know this is funny from a music... Wait, which guy from Office Space? Well, the main character, you know, like that bus... Michael? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's funny that a musician says this, right? Because, you know, that's like the antithesis of, of a cubicle office guy is a musician. But in a way, at least I felt this way. It's just stuck, you know? And so I listened to that verse and I was like, you know what? You should take a little bit of your own medicine here. Break the copier in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> meanwhile, Fly your airplane. With, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm sitting somewhere with my red stapler looking, looking like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> looking like Dwight. This analogy is going off the rails, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Anyways, it, it inspired us to, uh, to write the albums like, okay, let's, you know, Let's make this awesome. Let's go ahead and dream a little bit, you know, with all the things we've learned about also how to be responsible. So, yeah, find an enchantment again. What else do you want to say about Paper Airplanes? Well, I think the music video that we have coming out for it's pretty cool. It'll be out, I guess, in a couple weeks. It's interesting. It follows the perspective of a little girl who her dad's an astronaut and she kind of wants to follow in his footsteps, but she's, you know, has to do all the little girl things and it's a really cool video that kind of, it fits the song great. So we're really excited about that coming out soon. So it's a STEM message for little girls. Yeah, basically. It's interesting. Our bass player, Kyle, is a, has his PhD in physics. So a lot of the kind of spacier elements on this record wouldn't be 
oftentimes you'd hear Zach from one room like, Kyle, give me science words, you know, for writing songs. And so the spacey kind of element that we try to bring in, like sonically, was often inspired by some of Kyle's science knowledge. Well, we know who to call when in Houston we have a problem. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. about one of your love songs of sorts on the album sign language oh yeah so that that's one of our favorite tracks that kind of started as a lot of our songs do with greg was sort of fiddling around with a musical theme and i had a word bank of titles that and a, a lot of uh I'm inspired by titles especially when you know with this album which had like a clear theme already and we were trying to write for that theme so sign language I had this title in my pocket and it was kind of like, just, you know, this is a communication song. And it, it just went from there. We, we all wrote it together in, in a room. Greg had this piano riff. Catherine and I worked on the lyrics. Kyle had this real, I don't know how to describe it, this drum beat that was unusual, but was almost this stuttered kind of communication thing. When we got a chance to finally kind of write with some of the stuff and we picked up Greg's piano part that he had and we kind of put that together and just put a couple of the layers on it. I think we had at that time, like a drum beat and a couple of like pulsing synth lines, just kind of whatever we wanted to mess with and just kind of had that looping. I think actually, despite me playing bass, Greg even had the bass guitar on. It's just kind of putting on different hats to create a song. And that one was, was really special to us because it kind of just came together after we had all those sounds kind of blasting in the room. I really like the harmonies on this. And I think I read somewhere where you guys are inspired by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, definitely. That band notoriously had some, you know, interpersonal issues, love issues relating in the band, and they wrote songs about it to let it hang out there. Not that this is a song about a couple that are kind of not getting along and figure out a way to get along through the sign language and the harmonies that you layer into it really communicate a message, I think. Yeah, harmony is a big part of our band, that's for sure. And it was a focus for this. We wanted that to be a a focused thing. It's funny, Catherine doesn't always find herself in the writing part of the process. I was kind of giving her a hard time about it. It's like, you know, you should come in and it really will add something. She's like, no, 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 no. We had kind of hit a wall with where the song was going and she came in and yeah, I mean, it, it like broke us out of the the rut we were in and helped us finish writing it. So so how do you write a song, all four of you together like that? How does that happen? How does that work? I mean, a bunch of different ways. I'll have an idea and I'll bring it to the band and we'll finish it, arrange it. Sometimes two of us will write it, Greg and I. Or at this one, we were all in a room at the same time, really just kind of. Yeah, I was going to say something that happened uniquely, I think on this record was sometimes just to break out of the monotony even though none of us are drummers, you know, sometimes Greg would sit down at the drums or he'd sit down with Kyle's bass because we all kind of play a little bit of some instruments. Greg and Kyle especially can play basically everything. And so sometimes we like to switch up what we're playing just to jam a little bit and see what comes up. Because if you, you know, often if you're playing on an instrument you're not super familiar with, 
you might come up with something that's like, ooh, that's kind of cool, you know? So I think we did that specifically with this song. I think Kyle mentioned Greg sitting down with the bass and Kyle coming up with a off-the-wall drum part, you know? Yeah, what's really cool about situations when you do that is because that rut that Zach's talking about can come because you are using the same kind of faculties to create the ideas. But when someone else is put in the position of creation like that, you know, for example, Greg playing bass, you know, he's a guitar player primarily in our band. And so he approaches the bass like a little bit more of a guitar and come up with different ideas. You know, I'm the bass player, but I don't usually make the drum parts. And so I might approach the drum part a little bit differently. And uh, yeah, it's just, it definitely creates unique ideas that I think was extra special about this song. And as far as uh, vocals go, I think because Zach and I have been singing together for so long, going back to college, you know, more than 10 years now, we're able to kind of pick up on the way we each sing something. So if he puts an emphasis on a word or sings it a specific way, and we want to really convey that, you know, a lot of like classical singing, you learn to convey your emotion just by the way you say the the word. And we try and really do that in the way we sing. And even in the way I sing harmony, I try and match that emotion specifically just by the way he says a word and vice versa. Yeah. And specifically the vocals on this one, I think I remember you two kind of changing the melody after thinking about the harmony. It was like, oh, Mm -hmm. this song is going to be more of a duet. So, you know, sing a lot of harmony on it at the same time. And so y'all had to kind of go back and rethink the melody because of, you know, trying to add that. Because we were like, which one's the melody, which one's the harmony? We wanted it to kind of be ambiguous. So you can't really always tell which one is the melody and which one's the harmony. So how do you know, and I guess it's different for every song, how do you know when a song is done? Uh, it's never done, I would, <laughs> I would say. That's when you get a producer that says, stop adding things to it. <laughs> or, it sounds good, I think it's finished, you know. That was, a, that was kind of a point of, uh, not contention, just specifically with this song, it's funny you mentioned because there were so many parts of this song that we all kind of wanted to bask in, you know, just a little bit longer. And so it was, uh, it was hard to make edits on this song, I think, you know, cause we, we don't want any, we always talk about trimming the fat, but you don't ever trim it down so much that you trim down the substance. And so finding that balance on this song was especially difficult because there were so many parts of this song that we just wanted to like linger in a little bit longer. Interesting. I can't imagine uh, what it must be like to have four incredibly talented people like yourself in a room and everybody agreeing that the song is done. But I really like the way this song is done. Thanks. tell you my favorite song and I don't usually have a favorite song on the album but maybe it's in my opinion the most radio friendly of your songs and my opinion doesn't really matter that much but I love Grateful and the reason I love Grateful is I want to see you guys play this live I love the anthemic chorus and I could just see the audience sing along in my head. And when I was listening to the album, I was like, this is the song I want to see these guys play live. So that's my own take on Grateful. So we have been playing it live in what, you know, the tiny little bit we have been playing live recently and it's really fun. So yeah. Are you getting that audience reaction that I'm describing? 
Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, they really love that one, especially live. It, it just, it comes across, which we're thankful for because you never quite know. It's got that energy, get people clapping along and the breakdown chorus at the end. And yeah. Message I think everybody can probably relate to. <laughs> it has all these elements, uh, kind of of a older Americana tradition or, or kind of gospely traditions. I, I don't know what you'd call it, but you know, just that thick choir sound with, you know, rooted in piano. That I think makes it special on the record because I mean we we layered so much vocals on there and it was such a great great way to really showcase what we can do vocally in this band and we we had a lot of fun making that one and I think that's what a lot of people resonate with too is you know just so many people love hearing all that all that choir sound sounds like a fun track and it was you know you really feel like you're in the church of rock and roll the way it starts you know and and this is like you said this choir sound to the whole thing and then it makes you want to sing along by the time you get to the woe chorus part it's also funny because i wrote that song as a, a reminder obviously you know i think it's pretty self-explanatory the the message of the song but i find myself dipping down into self-pity maybe it's just me i don't know if anybody else does at least some at least some part of it maybe no, every day <laughs> and so it's great you know to have a bunch of people singing along to that song myself included where it's like you get to consistently poke fun at yourself it's almost like you get to hear your your wife or your uh, who, who knows maybe your grandma hey look stop feeling sorry for yourself you got a lot to be thankful for and <laughs> you get to sing that it really kind of puts you in your place I mean, it does when I'm singing it. It makes me just laugh at myself no matter what's going on. I like the descending scale in the chorus. Like, it's just such a nice touch. And who does that? I don't know. But I think that little flare was, uh, maybe that was Greg in combo with our producer, Kaysen Cooley, who uh, was using those kind of these sonic things to like tie it in with the rest of the record. Because this is a bit of an outlier, right? It's kind of, it's a little more gospel centered than the rest of the record. And so that descending line put a little stardust on the song. Yeah, it is like stardust line. It's And then at the end, is that like a ukulele or some sort of... I think it's a ma- mandolin at the end. Yeah, Greg, I think you busted out the mandolin. Yeah. Greg can play everything, so... If you like, oh, I think this needs a little mandolin, just hand it to Greg and he'll... <laughs> oh, I have that in out. my backpack. <laughs> so mandolin, banjo, what else do you play? Uh, play accordion... Not so much on this record. I think there was like one song we did accordion on Dog Days, maybe. But yeah, but yeah, our kind of our previous stuff and our live show, we we definitely I play accordion and guitar, and then I piano. I play some piano in the live show as well, and uh, assorted stringed instruments and keyboard instruments. It's nice to have the versatile all around athlete in the band when you need a sound. Yes, luckily Greg and Kyle can both do that. We all play keyboard to a certain level. Yeah, it's nice to have Greg and Kyle jump around on various instruments. Yeah, it's also nice to have vocal instruments with like multi-octave ranges like you guys do too. You know, that doesn't hurt when you layer that on top. That's right, that's right. So actually, the most radio-friendly song is Council Grove, in my opinion. And uh, uh, again, my opinion doesn't matter because we're here to talk about you guys. But 
I had to look up where Council Grove is. And I, I don't think our listeners know, and I don't know if it's based on this, but I like to do this. And so there's a Council Grove in the middle of Kansas. That's it. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, so dad's family's from Council Grove, Kansas. He grew up there and I still have relatives there. And that song came about because we, some of our travels and playing shows, we played some shows around the Flint Hills of Kansas, which is where where Council Grove is located. And we stayed with my family. And I think after that, Zach and I sat down and Zach had kind of had an idea for a song using Council Grove kind of as an analogy for for how we think about the past. We like to say the quote, nostalgia is like grammar. It's, a, it's like a grammar lesson. It's like a grammar lesson. Past perfect present tense. You got it. Got it. Just took me a second. Nice. I never heard that. <laughs> well, yeah, because Greg, that's a, the place that you kind of always go back to in the summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a place I spent a lot of time with my family growing so up. So it's and, kind of a that idea of you always remember your childhood as being, you know, perfect. perfect. So you think yeah, about your perfect. childhood Christmases, you think about your childhood this and that, and it was always perfect. And was, you know, was it really, or was yeah. it, <laughs> was it the way it is now? And, you know, right. You fall into uh, feeling like you're born in the wrong time for whatever reason. Sometimes it's a good reminder to think maybe you're, maybe you're right where you're supposed to be. Everybody has stuff they got to deal with in their own time. So you can't, you can't glorify the past too much or vilify it too much. So I imagine there's people who are running away from Council Grove and there's people who've never left and there's no place they'd rather be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of like a, a small town America situation. Maybe it's great to visit those kind of places. And Council Grove is just one of those beautiful American. I think it's easy for people to assume, you know, especially people that live in bigger cities or near bigger cities that, you know, small towns, uh, what do they have to offer? But we've been to so many, not just Council Grove, but all around the United States. And those places have just as cool of stories. And oftentimes they, you know, have things preserved that big cities won't have anymore that you get to go see. And those small towns have special things about them too. We were just talking about actually the song just the other night, just kind of trying to talk about you know, what the song kind of means. We were brainstorming some video ideas and got talking about the heartland. Because of course, uh, you know, Council Grove is in Kansas and you think of the Flint Hills and a lot of these things that Kansas has. But since we've traveled so much, there's there's nuance, you know, in comparing all these things. You know, Iowa is not the same as Kansas, not the same as Nebraska, but there's overlap. And some of those overlaps overlap with what we know in Texas. And I think it's those overlaps that kind of glue us all together, just driving around, getting that perspective. It's really cool. And so what I think I would, if you know, if you don't know Council Grove, because I didn't know Council Grove before Greg, but I think if they never get a chance to go there, you know, just try to think of the, well, all these small towns kind of have to offer and think about someone who grew up in a place like that, how they, their perception of the world. It's an interesting perspective. It's different than the city. You know, like Kath and I grew up in Austin. That's a different perspective than being in some of these smaller towns, but just because they're smaller doesn't mean they don't have something to offer. There's charm, there's, there's story, they're, they're, people. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to kind of think about all that and think of that song representing some of that as well. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like you're in the city. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the point of the song. It's like the hustle and bustle of life. And you're going to this place that was the safe mythical place. Now, on the other hand, you go there and you see there's this bell in the center of town that they used to ring whenever, whenever there was real trouble and you're like, huh, well, I guess you can't really escape it. <laughs> yeah, trouble, trouble is everywhere. That's right. There is no, there's no uh, yeah. mythical paradise nope. you can escape to. There's not. Yeah, that bell came up in the Google search on Council Grove. There's a statue and a bell in the center of town um, that I guess everybody congregates there from time to time for good and bad and, and different times. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, I think it meant more in the past than it does today. Um, but it is, you know, it's one of those tourist towns, a lot of historical markers and a lot of those kind of places to go visit. It's a tourist. People people go there to see what? The the migration west? Yeah, it's on the, well, I say tourist town. I mean, it's, it's one of the stops, you know, on the Santa Fe Trail. So there's lots of history there. People, you know, who kind of are doing those road trips and want to go see the historical markers and, and, and things like that. It's, it's kind of known for that in, in that part of Kansas. Also the Flint Hills, the Flint Hills, the, the vistas, the drive through the Flint Hills is, 
is a stop. I think that's still one of my favorite accomplishments, at least that we've, like to me, the Flint Hills sounds like our song, at least to me. And, and, and the first time Greg took me there, because uh, that's where his, you know, it was like a hometown, or at least his family's hometown. And he would always tell me, because we, you know, went to high school together and we've known each other for a long time. And he'd have pictures of the Flint Hills in his house. When we first drove there, just entering into that place kind of comes out of nowhere. It kind of comes out of all this, you know, Kansas flatness. It's like Dorothy going from uh, black and white to color when you get into the Flint Hills. You're just driving. I was like, this has got to be the perfect driving music track, you know? And I'm really happy with how he did that with like the pulsating, propelling feeling of the drums and some of the synthesizer sounds. Yeah, I like the way you have this like bop, bop, bop lyric in the beginning with the claps and the drums and then the explosion in the chorus with the whoa, whoa. Yeah. I think you have to actually edit your lyric. You just have it as O oh, and it's much more than O oh, when the chorus <laughs> explodes. Nice. <laughs> yes. It's like this big whoa. And I can see the audience singing along to this. This is another one I want to see you guys play live and I want to sing along with this one, the anthemic chorus. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that as well. You're saying we need an exclamation mark after the woes in the lyrics? Is that- I think it's W-H-O-A-H. You know, it's more than O. It's You got it as O-H, and it's like, it's larger than that. And you say it twice. Whoa, three exclamation points. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> and why are you saying whoa? Like, what, what are you trying to say there? I mean, why does anybody say whoa? It's like a... Tear my heart to pieces is the lyric after that. So it's just, it's just like a, it's a release. Yeah. It's a scream. I don't know. It's a sigh. It's like everything you you just, you're losing it from needing a place to escape to. You want to go back to the way it was and you don't really know the way it was. The way it was is not the way you think it is. Yep. (laughs) That's the whole lesson. I just hear Keith Jackson, the college football announcer, saying, whoa, Nelly. And <laughs> there he goes again, you know? Right. It's like that Midwestern, whoa. Hey, there you go. I didn't think of it that way, but if that's the way you uh, you want to, that's, that's great. I had a shock last night. All the lights went out. I swore I saw you standing there. Looking at me lying there Everything was stripped away It was simple then We were riding in your old shed Talking to the old man Patience and a young live wife Another job to do in time you say I'm measured up I'm more grounded now That I haven't blown it all Haven't lost a spark Some days I feel the light on And others I'm only working in the dark Keep it up, we're only getting closer by the Let's talk about me and the electric man. So this is about your grandfather. Yeah. So this is another song that was older. Um, we wrote it right after paper airplanes and I was fiddling around with a, a synthesizer sound on my keyboard and it was kind of a weird moment. I don't know if you know of that movie frequency. I think it had, uh, I'm trying to think of the actors, Jim Caviezel and, uh, Man, who's the other one? I'm blanking it's out. It's not Randy Quaid, right? No, Dennis Quaid. Dennis well done, Quaid. Kyle. Thank you for pitching that to me. <laughs> Could be Randy Anyways. Quaid. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so in that movie, they have one has passed away. The father's passed away, and there's a way for them to communicate via radio 
spiritual radio kind of thing. And I felt that way when I found the synthesizer sound. And it reminded me of my grandfather, who was just this old school guy from the greatest generation. Um, and he was an electrician. And I always thought that was funny because he grew up in an era where a lot of people didn't even have electricity or it was just, you know, becoming popular in people's homes. And he ended up having kind of a futuristic job. And I thought, well, that's perfect for the theme of the record. It's that spaceship futuristic element, but also that barn. We, we always talked about, have, you know, sonically, this record sounding like a spaceship in a barn. And lyrically, too, it having, you know, rooted values in a modern world. And so the lyrics kind of go with the music, the soundscape. And I thought that's just lyrically and sonically, that's kind of a perfect thing to put together. He lived out in the countryside and used to take me all around, you know, into our small town, doing odd jobs in his truck, fixing stuff. He's a handyman, but he was also this really faithful guy with old school values. He just sort of taught everything by example, by living a, a good life. And yeah, and so every time I play that, it's really a way for me to, ah, it's kind of a spooky thing. Kind of a, this communication happens where I get to kind of sing about him to him. Do you think he's feeling it? Do you think he's listening? Do you get that sense ever when you're playing it? Oh yeah, totally. It's it's spooky. <laughs> okay, so I had to look this up. St. Mary's Star of the Sea on Fire. Through the roof of St. Mary's Star of the Sea on Fire. And I have one for you guys. I bet you didn't even know. So there are two St. Mary's Star of the Seas that have burned down in the last 40 years. One's in Baltimore and one's in Far Rockaway, New York, Long Island. Which one is this? Okay, it's wow. it's, it's it's neither because this It's neither. Oh my god. Because this church is probably in a smaller place than any of those. That's really cool though. I had no idea. So yeah. good research. That's wow. that's incredible. So you just made up St. Mary's Star of the Sea. It was, wasn't even based on one of those two churches? No, it's not made up. It's it's real. It actually okay. did. Uh, this was a church that his my grandfather's father helped build. And all of his information is, is in a, uh, what do you call it? A time box. One of those, um, you know, boxes in the cornerstone built into the church. He worked on it all his life. He was a parishioner there and his family. Like that's where my parents were married. Just it was like a community center in this, you know, the small town we grew up in. But isn't it not called Star of the Sea? No, it is. It's St. Mary's Star of the oh. Sea. Um, because and what town is it in? This is Freeport, Texas. So there's this little community of several different towns in the Brazosport area, uh, Lake Jackson, Clute, Freeport, Texas, and they're they're sort of chemical company towns on the Gulf of Mexico in Texas, and you know. They're coastal communities, but Star of the Sea. So it's it's St. Mary's Star of the Sea, and there's a picture. There's a stained glass window of her looking out over the sea, looking out over the boats in the Gulf. We would always go to that church because he he was kind of the town, you know, maintenance man. He was an electrician, but he could do everything. So anytime anything broke, we would be up there in the attic in the summertime and the heat. So you just had this image of this this faithful man, you know, with always had his rosary with him. Always, uh, he's very patient man, very hardworking. Worked on the church, and then there was a night where the church burned down. I remember that it was crazy because he, I mean, him and I both. I was with him. We had spent so much time working on this church, and it was like all that work. When something burns like that, it's it, it almost feels like it's all for nothing. Which of course it's not. I mean, I think somebody left a candle burning, and and it caught the whole thing on fire, caught the whole church on fire. So I went with him and we stood in the church with it all burnt down. Consequently, the the cross didn't burn, um, which I thought was pretty spooky as well. I'm using that word, <laughs> spooky, but there's a lot of spooky. Okay, now wait a second. I got to interrupt you with the spookiest thing of all. In the South Baltimore church, St. Mary's Star of the Sea, the cross also survived and it also had a time capsule in it yeah wow. that, that is crazy <laughs> that is i promise i'm not making spooky. any of that up yeah i mean no, I, I don't know i don't know and in the article father josh laws is holding the time capsule and he's saying i may open it up someday like 
Okay, but he couldn't open it up in the aftermath of of the damage, which was caused by 68 mile an hour winds and two inches of rainfall in 24 hours in South Baltimore. You got to look this up. This is just too coincidental. We're going to look that up for sure. Wow. It, it was it was wow. devastating, though. I mean, obviously to our community. But the cool thing was he lived to see it built back up and he helped build it back. So by the time he died, the church was was back up. And his funeral was at that church. And his funeral was at the church as well. So, What I like about this song is one of the classic songwriting techniques is the use of double entendres. And you have a lot of very clever double entendres about electricity. Uh, lines like, would you say I've measured up, I'm more grounded now? And, and I, it just makes you pay attention to the lyrics. I'm glad you noticed that. I hope I didn't lay it on too thick in that song, but I did want the impression of <laughs> electricity, electrician work to, you know, I wanted people to get that impression when they were listening to it. That was definitely employed for sure. What I also like is how, as a band, you tried to create the sound of an electrician and working with electricity. So talk to me about that. How did you do that? And what were you thinking? Or is that just me hearing things? Uh, yeah, well, I think it goes back to our, our our themes that we try to maintain on the whole record, this spaceship in the barn. You know, one of the things when we always talked about that, I think of uh, the the opening of the, the new reboot of the Star Trek series where it shows uh, uh, Captain Kirk before he's Captain Kirk driving through like farmland, except in the background you see like these futuristic spaceships, right? And so that seems to suggest that they're in this sort of time that's just like today, except they have this futuristic technology, you know, but they would still go into a bar that just looks like a bar you would see in the middle of Texas or something. And it would have a jukebox, but it would also have a floating robot that's serving you drinks or whatever it is. And so whatever that concept of the juxtaposition of those two worlds is futuristic something with the old, whatever that means, rustic. I don't know. We, we always try to capture that in the music. And I think, you know, when he talks, uh, when Zach talks about his grandfather in this way, it was so interesting because I, I definitely, in, in like in, in just learning all the stuff in science that I did, you know, you, you do try to transport yourself back to the world of like a, a Thomas Edison or something and try to think of what this guy was coming up with was like revolutionary, you know, or pick whoever is your favorite scientist. It really doesn't matter because they're always trying to push that boundary, but they're doing something beyond the times. And so anyway, it, it amounted to various things in the music where, I don't know, like you, you, we do love things like acoustic guitars and, and pianos and, you know, like a, a raw set of vocals with harmony, but we also are big fans of synthesizers and, and just crazy electronic sounds that we can create and just, I don't know, just see what, what materializes. So it was just really, it was just playing with a bunch of those sounds and seeing what started to convey those emotions that I think the song at its core was trying to convey. Oh yeah. I mean, there's that pulsating synth is kind of the, the root of the thing. That's, that's like, it's like this life um, force kind of that's running through the song. Yeah. That current, that's, that's what current. That's what it is. It does sound like a current. That was the goal, you know? So that, that was the genesis of, of really the whole, I think that started before, uh, the current sound was the uh, was the sound that really kicked off the song. I mean, mm -hmm. That frequency current. Well, it really is uniquely a Blue Water Highway sound that you've packaged together in this song. It's really a unique voice in American music, and I hope people listen to the album and love it as much as I did. I I have to say, you know, I don't always know the artists before I get introduced to them. And then in your case, it has been such an enormous delight to discover your work. And we're living in this pandemic, which hopefully will get a vaccine distributed and everybody will get back out on the road and the clubs will reopen and I will get to see you guys live because you guys are going places and you've got a sound that people should pay attention to and I'm impressed. Thank, Thank you so you. much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. We hope to be out on the road soon too. We definitely, definitely agree. <laughs> Is there anything you guys want to promote, talk about, 
tell our audience about? Just uh, letting everybody know that our record's going to be coming out in March 12th. And we have released, I think, almost all the songs we've mentioned. Yeah, Paper Airplanes comes out uh, February 19th. It's actually out now on a Patreon. So if anyone's listening and wants to jump on that, they can definitely get a exclusive early access to that song. But yeah, just follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify. And I would say the big thing, um, you know, a way to help us, especially right now when especially nationwide touring isn't a thing as much is, you know, if you listen to our music and you like it, share it, you know, share it with, share it on social media, share it with your friends, your family. And that, that helps us, you know, get the word out when we can't go physically be in places. So I have created the Blue Water Highway songbook of my favorite Blue Water Highway songs on our website, backstorysong.com. Please share that Spotify playlist with your friends. It's the easiest way to get these guys paid by Spotify when people listen to the entire songbook of their work. And once you start it, it's addictive. It's like that's your radio station for the day because you will just be consumed by this band's work. I have to thank you guys. This has really been a pleasure. Thank you, Zach, Catherine, Greg, and Kyle from Blue Water Highway. I can't wait to see you. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you, DJ Wyatt Schmidt. Thank you, MC Owens, our social media director. And please do share our Backstory Song podcast episodes with your friends so that our listener base can grow. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.